Gather round, circle up, fill the cup, spill the tea Just believe, just believe the diamond dogs are here And that means that you're not alone We get one shot at this life And heaven knows, heaven knows that we try, that we try The diamond dogs are here Hey everybody, welcome back to season two of the Diamond Dogs podcast. We are so excited to be with you. I am your co-host, Jason Barnaby, here with the lovely Beth Rashley. Hey Beth. So it's so, we haven't been doing this for a minute and it's just so nice to be back together and re-watching season two and all of the wonderful things that uh, Ted and the gang have in store for us. Why don't you kick us off right at the beginning with a, a fancy recap of episode one? You betcha. Happy to do that. And it's funny when I went back to watch rewatch season two, just when you think this show can't get better, you guys, season two is better. And I don't understand that. And I can't wait for season three to come out you know, like a fine wine. Yeah. Like why? I don't, it just keeps getting better and better. So in this episode, it's called goodbye Earl and Earl, poor Earl. Poor Earl, Earl is the um, greyhound mascot. Who's an actual dog. And this uh, episode kicks off with poor Danny. He's taking a penalty shot. And in a weird chain of events that happens, the dog sees a bird. Danny kicks the ball. Unfortunately, the ball hits the dog and kills the dog. (laughs) So that's how the episode begins. Not good. And of course, poor Danny, who's just the sweetest, you know, human is devastated by this. And they have, uh, anyway, we'll talk about the scene in the shower. I I thought I was going to die. Because football laughing. is also death. Football is also death. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that scene where he's just standing in the shower, yes. crossing himself. Yes. Like, it's like he's literally in trying Spanish. to baptize himself. Yes, it's just, oh, it's so funny. Anyway, so as a result of this guilt that he feels, he starts to experience the yips, which, you know, they they don't even want to say the words. Um, But basically the yips are, you know, when you forget how to play something that you're really good at. So it happens. It's a sports thing. It's it's actually fairly common. And the decision is made to bring in a sports psychologist to help Danny. And her name's Sharon. So we we finally get to meet her. I know we've talked about her just like in the periphery on the podcast, especially some of our guests who have watched the show have brought her up because she's really yeah. a key key uh, character in season yeah, two. She is. And then there's also this storyline that happens with both um, Roy, who is retired now and trying to figure out what he's going to do now that he is retired. And then a storyline with Jamie, who has decided to stop playing soccer. And go on a retail reality uh, like dating TV show. Oh my gosh! And he gets kicked off. And anyway, there's some hilarity. It's the perfect hidden. name too. Lust conquers all. It's <laughs> no, like ugh, there should could be, it be a real... more disgusting. I know it's just gross. And I love that it's apparently it's it's supposed to be like Love Island, which I've never watched. I don't watch a ton of these. Have Do you watch? Them? Never. No. No. I used to watch The Bachelor, and then it it just became so fake that I couldn't do it anymore. I was just so surprised every season of the bachelor or bachelorette that they were in love with two people. Right. Every time. So <laughs> it's like, I'm in love with it's like, ugh. Ugh, yeah, it's, it's predictable yeah. and dumb. Anyway. So that's what's happening in, in yeah. this episode. 
lots of leadership stuff happening behind the oh scenes my gosh. too, and just a lot for us to talk about. So excited. We're excited to to dig in. So let's let's just uh I, I think because you know we've we've missed Ted a little bit. I think going back to some of the quotes that are there are just the the very beginning, the the um after Danny kills the dog there in the press conference and the guy's like, so how many more? Cause they've tied, what was it? Seven times. Well, yeah. now eight after this one, after Danny kills the dog, he said, so how many more ties before we hit the panic button? And I love Ted goes, well, there's two buttons. I never like to hit the panic and the snooze. And uh, it's just, you know, he's just, just right out of the gate again, he's just endearing Ted. And yeah, um, it really is. I love that so scene too, as he's prepping for that press conference, you know, Rebecca comes down and Keely's there and Higgins and everybody. And Rebecca asks Keely, like, did, did you help Ted with a statement? Like, does he know what he's going to say? And, <laughs> yeah. and she said, no, he just said, I got it. Don't you fret Boba Fett. <laughs> and they, you can tell that they're like really worried, but then of course Ted does have it. Like that isn't something he needs help with. That's an area where he is really, really strong. And he goes in and absolutely kills it at the press conference. Yeah, it was so good, which I think if you don't mind, I'm going to read that one out too, because I just, it's so good. I actually, I wrote down the whole thing because it's so good. Yeah. So they ask him about, you know, how's Danny doing and you know, what about the dog and, and Ted goes into this whole thing about how he was bitten by the neighbor's dog when he was three years old and, and how then he wound up taking care of the dog because the neighbor died and, you know, and then they had to put the dog down and, you know, they they keep showing the, the uh, reporters faces and everybody's sucked into the story as, as Ted does. And he says, you know, it's funny thinking about the things in your life that can you make you cry just knowing that they existed and then become the same thing that make you cry knowing that they're gone. And then the, the thing that I really let it, it's almost missed because he says this at the end, he says, those things come into our lives to help us get from one place to a better one. Mm. And I was like, Ugh. I feel like we could deep. I mean, there's so yes. many different ways that that yes. applies to life that I don't, it blows my mind. And then he, you know, he brings it back to say, I hope that we helped the dog get from one place to a better place or something. Um, and right Speaking on cue, dogs, here, and here right on cue, Blaze just walks right in the door. That's hilarious. It's like, Blaze is like, are you talking about dogs? Blaze is like, I heard you talking about dogs. Yeah. Oh my word. Yeah. I, I think that it's such a profound thing and I love that he roots it in story too. Like that's such a good, like, you know, just mechanism for getting that kind of information out. And yeah, it's just a really profound thing. So that's where, you know, just where you think Ted's all like one liners and, yeah, um, you know, cheesiness and dad jokes. He's, you know, he's, man, he's deep too. He can throw these things down that you're just like, yeah. oh, I'm going to be thinking about that for a while. Well, and I think what's interesting here too, is that this, you don't realize it yet because you haven't watched the whole thing, but since we have, and we're watching it a second time, we do that this is that glimpse into childhood for Ted, right? Like, so it's, it's him getting a little nostalgic. It's him going back and thinking about things. It's him going back and looking at his, which becomes a very big deal in this season. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to start to unpeel this onion of Ted and what's really happening with him kind of under the surface too. Yeah. 
let's let's maybe shift gears and talk a little bit about some of the stuff that's happening with Roy in this episode. You guys know he's one of my absolute favorite characters. So good. We're seeing a real different side of him this season. Um, so the storyline here, <laughs> it's just hilarious. I don't know how they come up with this stuff. So, so basically good. what has happened is he retired at the end of last season. So when we kind of left Roy, we knew things were, you know, he's definitely struggling to play and, and yep. ended up making the call. Um, to retire, he gives this um, really heartfelt retirement speech where he cries and they don't show, they show just like little bits and, and pieces of it. We don't really get to see the whole, whole thing, but apparently he cried and it got like 15 million views on YouTube. <laughs> so it's like this real, he had this real like popularity, you know, surge from it. And he's mortified by all of that. Like couldn't, you know, doesn't, of course, doesn't want to show that kind of vulnerability and is mad that he did. And he's made the decision in retirement that he's going to coach Phoebe's soccer team. So he's coaching these like eight-year-olds playing soccer. And he also has developed this group of friends that's these moms that do yoga and drink rosé and watch reality tv shows and he's the only guy there and it's like including lust conquers all with jamie so they watch lust conquers all with jamie and um it is just hilarious that whole storyline is so so funny like well and the the way i love the way that they set up Roy, because somebody asks about Roy, maybe it may be Ted, and they yeah. pan right. They 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 cut right to Roy's face, and he's yelling. You can see like he's on a soccer field, and he's yelling. And the thing that he says, he goes, "You all played like little pricks." Yes. And then and then it switches to the team, and it's Phoebe's like friends, like yes. this little girls team. And the best is after it's over, one of the moms walks up and she goes. They're eight, Roy. You can't tell them they played like little pricks, even if they were actually Phoebe's teacher. Oh, is that who it I is? I was trying to spot, like, I could, I'm not 100% sure about that, but I'm pretty sure it's Phoebe's teacher that we saw in the last season. Ah, uh, that they were kind of flirting. Yeah, yeah. I think okay. it's Phoebe's teacher. We'll but yeah, basically out. he's getting feedback on, is this really, you so know, funny. how we're coaching, you know, eight-year-old girls? But of course, Roy, Roy is also going to show up and be Roy. Like, there's no... Roy is Roy. Yeah. There's we talked no about that a lot. That. Be authentic. There's also a hilarious scene that happens after that, where apparently Phoebe has um, decided that he has to pay her money when he curses. So she's been keeping this log and there's a scene between, you know, Roy and Phoebe and Keely, where of course Roy is cursing at his normal level and Phoebe just gets her notebook out and keeps writing it at the end. Keely goes, what, what are you up to there? And she goes, 1,234 quid. (laughs) So it's this massive total just cracks me up. (laughs) Yeah, because he's just he just keeps saying, put it on my tab. Yeah, put Put it on on my my tab. tab. Put Put it on my tab. tab. Hilarious. So So apparently she's had that tab for a minute because she's up to 1200 um 1200 quid. But I think it's an interesting, I I think it's an interesting storyline for a couple reasons. One, because I think it's super normal to like come out of this big thing that you do with your life and struggle. Like who, yeah, who totally, are you now? What totally. should you be doing with your life? Who are my friends now? Who, who can I rely on? What should I be doing? You see him like questioning all of that. And I think that's a really authentic storyline. And I really like it for Roy's like character development and what ends up happening um, with him in season two, but just a really, really, really interesting kind of take on, you know, what happens. And I think it's the, 
you know, the, um, there's, I can't remember if they bring it up in the second, I think it comes up. Yeah. Keely says it, she's, I'm, I'm going to pop ahead because I think it works well for this episode as well. And what you're saying, but Keely says something to Roy. She says, you can't get hurt if you don't try. Yeah. And I, I think for so many of us, we sit on the sidelines and we, we, uh, accept mediocrity or even less than mediocrity. And because, you know, there's so many freight, the devil, you know, is better than yeah. the devil. You don't know. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, I don't getting out of my comfort zone is hard. And, um, I love Ted's, you know, Ted's got a great quote in here too. When they asked him how he felt after Danny killed the dog and he goes, I feel the, I feel like, I feel like the biggest loser what does he say? I, re- I feel like loser, the biggest loser from the biggest, biggest loser. loser. I feel like the biggest loser on the biggest loser from the biggest, something that, like that. That's, that's ever biggest loser or something like that. It's yeah, yeah it's funny. There, I feel like a bigger loser than the biggest loser from the biggest loser. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> took us a minute, but we got there. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think we could spend an awful lot of time. And if you're listening to this and you are in a place where you're transitioning, and, um, I mean, Beth and I have both had, and I think we've talked about it already some like where we were defined by our job or the company we worked for or the logo or the title or the, you know, any of that. And what happens when that goes away? And, and I love that they are shining a light on this with Roy and he is struggling because you do find out that he is afraid to do some things and it comes across as like, ah, I'm not afraid like that. You know, we, we make fun of things that we're afraid of, right? Yeah. Well, that's lame. Yeah. And it's like, mm, well, that's actually, yeah. it's actually fear. Well, um, and I think there's some, maybe that's part of why I can, I'm connecting with the storyline so much as I think there is a loss of identity when you step into something new. Like I remember really clearly um, when I first went out on my own and I was just in a classroom less, you know, cause you're just, you're getting going. And in general, because of the way my, my business model is set up, I'm just not in the classroom as much as I was when I was working in corporate, you know, I was right. probably in the classroom in my last job, I don't know, five or seven days a month is probably like a good average. Wow. And I get a lot of like, I don't know, probably like self-worth from other people telling me oh, I'm good at that, right? Like 100%. That a, a really sweet statement on a f- piece of feedback on an eval, you know, that can last me for months. <laughs> so oh, without like that especially... regular, <clears throat> yeah. you know, I was, I was struggling with like, oh crap, like I'm honestly pretty shitty as a business owner. Like I'm not getting, I'm not getting these same, you know, levels of accolade at the volume that I was getting them before. Right. And I struggled with that for a while. Um, and then the pandemic hit and then it really got interesting. Oh my so gosh. Yeah. Then we just, we all crawled into our, our, exactly. well, the phrase I use is I crawled into a hole and started decorating. That's so exactly um, right. that's exactly just, right. 2020 yep. the memories. Ah, memory. Oh, so like the corner of my mind. Yeah, but don't worry. Apparently, there's a new uh, COVID strain coming out no, for the fall that we can all start it. to be. No, let's yeah, not talk. I about know. It. Seriously, no, I can't. Mm-mm. Same. Yeah. So, yeah, lots of good stuff there with this Roy storyline. Yeah, and I <laughs> something also really hilarious to me about the Jamie storyline. Oh. Like. I love that as the next step for Jamie too, that he decides to screw it. I'm not going to play soccer anymore. I'm going to be this reality TV show. And he's so like cockily 
confident about how well he's going to do on this reality show. And then he gets kicked off, which also is just. And they, and they have him on the morning show to, you know, cause he's like, well, I'll just go back to playing football and the, and they haven't, they have, it's like, well, we got a clip and it's the manager going, yeah, we don't want Jamie back. Jamie's just like, they're like, okay, well, it was good to see Jamie come back whenever. And as we see the characters continue to develop, we love Higgins obviously. And um, very lovable. He's so lovable and he's just so funny and he's got some great just some great things coming in this season and there he's getting ready to leave. They're having a little impromptu meeting in Rebecca's office and he's getting ready to leave. And he's talking about how he's going to watch the empire strikes back with his kids. He goes, I got to get my thoughts straight. Cause how am I going to, how am I going to talk about when Luke and Leia make out? And <laughs> which yeah. I, was like, I never thought about that as a parent, like, okay. Yeah. Oh, I had, I remember very clearly having that conversation with Sam. Do you really? That's oh, yeah, hilarious. He, was like, he probably started watching those movies when he was like eight. And I remember he was like, what? 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 What's happening what? there? And I also remember like watching it when I was a kid and being like, what? That's so what funny. Happened? Yeah, I don't. Re- I, maybe we <laughs> did. I don't remember. But that's so funny. And I love because I actually say this. So when Ted said it, I thought it was fantastic. So, you know, Higgins is getting ready to leave and. And Ted says, may the force be with you. And Higgins bends down and he goes, and also with you and Ted and Ted crosses himself. And I just think it's so because that's the, if anybody ever says to you, may the force be with you, the appropriate response is, and also also with with you. you. I agree. That's the only response. What else are you supposed to say? And in that same scene, Ted has another great, um, he's got a lot of great one-liners in this one. He said, cause Rebecca says, what do you say to a cocktail, Ted? And he says, he says the same thing I'd say if Diane Sawyer asked me for a date. Yes, please. Which yes, is so please. random. Like I, know. I haven't seen Diane Sawyer on television. Right? Is she, is she so still long. alive? She is. She's not okay. that old, but yeah, she's not out there anymore. Yeah. So uh, I, I feel like funny. we're getting a glimpse into Jason Sudeikis's like, childhood um, fantasies about women when he makes those little one-liners. I'm like, I bet he had a thing for Diane Sawyer when he was a kid. Wow. You know, like, <laughs> Yeah. That's a little disturbing. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I, I feel like there's, there's definitely something to it. You know, there's oh a really gosh. fun um, storyline that gets threaded through um, season two. That's like one of those things that isn't visible or ever called out, but I'm going to try really hard to continue to notice it as we go through it. But so many episodes in season two, they have just these like small flashes to beard sitting at his desk with his feet up with a book. And first, just as someone who is a reader, I love like the, the connection that beard clearly has to learning that just, I love, I love a nerd that loves to read. So I love that. Um, just as a character, but I'm the, the books that they have thought about the books that he's holding. Um, and the ones that I've noticed so far, like they are all like coaching leadership books. And so I'm going to try to create a list so that by the end of season two, we have a list of all these books that, um, Beard is, is reading so that we can all read them. But the one in this episode is, um, the greatest by Matthew Syed, um, what sports teach us about achieving success. So I've not read that one. So I'm going to add it to either. my list. I feel like there should be a Ted Lasso book club, right? Like we should start that. That could be I really think fun. That could be really fun Writing it down for people who listen to the podcast. Yeah. Genius level idea. Yeah. Jason and I will Daniel. also say, I think 
um, which we are going to talk about quite a bit because it is a, you know, you, you mentioned it in the beginning of the recap, but, um, Dr. Sharon Fieldstone, the, the sports psychologist comes into the picture and you can tell already. And Ted's got a couple of things that he says that he's just not, you know, Higgins asks him, he goes, what do you, he goes, what, what's your, what's your opinion or what's your, uh, what are your thoughts on therapy, Ted? And I loved what he says. He goes, general apprehension and a modest Midwestern skepticism. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, why, what's up? up? And, uh, and then, you know, later uh and i think you i did not get this because i have not seen hamilton um but they're at the bar he and beard and i think you you need to take that because i didn't i don't so i wish i had written it all down because i i but (laughs) he's he he basically he tees it up as like can i be real a second and and they do like the rap from hamilton (laughs) right (laughs) like i don't know like three or four and it's changed so it's appropriate but it's totally a hamilton reference which okay. is I figured there was something there, but it was lost ever. on me. So if oh, you haven't seen so it, funny. you can yeah. thank us for If you're a knowing. Hamilton fan, you'll notice it for sure. It's the scene where they're in the pub drinking the beer. Just listen for it. It's it's funny. Oh. And and so Ted goes on to to describe his um experience with therapy where he went to couples therapy. And he said I I felt like I was always being set up to be told what I was doing wrong. And Beard's like, that's your only. So we, I'm curious here if Beard has had therapy because he goes, that's your only experience with therapists, like kind of insinuating that there's something different. And he says, he's like, Ted's like, yes. And I love what Beard says. He goes, remember what, remember what you asked me or remember what you said to me when I, uh, when I broke up with the dancer and he goes, and Ted's response was, can I have your tap shoes? (laughs) He's like, no, (laughs) you told me that all people are different people. Uh, Ted, you know, looks at him. He goes, I said that he goes, that's pretty good. And Beard's like, that's pretty good. Yep. And I would like to pause here for a moment for, for all of us in leadership. You know, we, we look through lenses of, you know, our past experiences with a past boss taint our experience with a new boss because we yeah. are seeing through the lens of the old boss our past culture experiences we see our new culture experiences through that and i think if we could pause and it's hard because like again from i'm stealing from episode two but you know if, if we don't try we won't get hurt right um oh, man if we could just give it a shot right if we could just say Let's see what happens here. Yeah. Let's let's give. Um, uh, I think Patrick Lencioni says, "Let's assume positive intent, right?" Let's. Yeah. And I just think how different the world would be, how different the workplace would be, probably how different our families would be. Yeah. If we assumed positive intent and not that yeah. somebody was out to get us. I think that's actually. I can't remember the author of that, but I think that's the Four Agreements. Who wrote the Four Agreements? Uh don't know. We'll put it in the show notes. So yes, if you've will. never read that one, it's a great one. Really great book. But I'm sure Lencioni will take that credit. Oh, no yeah. All day, every day. <laughs> it's a great one. So all day, every day. Yeah. I think that's a really good point, Jason. And I think that's something for us to remember in both life and leadership that just because yes. something happened in the past doesn't mean it's going to happen again. Um, in, in the coaching world, we call that a limiting belief. 
<laughs> just mm-hmm. because something happened before doesn't mean it's going to happen again. That's right. And the more we can open ourselves up to the possibilities of something new unfolding, the better off we are. Which before we jump into Nate, which I'm I'm just going to follow you into the, the Nate history. I think we have to go back to what Roy says to Rebecca, because here's another example of, <gasps> oh, dang, you know, Roy the, Kent. yeah, Roy Kent just dropped some knowledge on oh. us. Um, they go on this double date and this guy is just a, he's just a blow hard. I just yeah. can't, he's, you know, dropping names and all this stuff and they get done and they walk outside and the guy goes away and he, she's standing there with Keely and Roy. And she's like, what do you think? And Keely's like, he's, he's age appropriate. He's, he's wealth appropriate. And Roy's like, you know, fucking yeah. hell. He's like, and he says, you need, I love this. Uh, you need somebody who makes you feel like you've been struck by fucking lightning. Don't you dare settle for fine. Yeah. Ooh, we need Dang. a job. We need an experience. We need a, a, a person like that makes us feel like we've been struck by lightning. And I'm telling you, and I know you do as well, Beth, but I see so many people in this world, myself included for a time, that settled for fine. Yeah. And fine is fine. Yep. But it's but it's also just fine. <laughs> and again, just just like the coaching energy there is, mm. you know, when we say things are fine, that's a coping yeah. energy. Mm-hmm. That's a I'm surviving this. This mm-hmm. is I can handle it's fine. Like it's not perfect. I'm coping my way through it. Yep. We just don't want to live our life that way. Like it's just not. You know, it's not the secret to your best life. That's for sure. And I am always really mindful of when I say I'm fine. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, what am I saying that about? Like, you know, just because that is usually where I need to do some work because I'm just open. And if you listen to season one, our our friend, Brandon Wilson, who's a coach, um, whenever I say fine or something like that, he's like, I love what he said. He goes, I'm going to push back on that. A little. I'm going to press pause and push back on that. So mm-hmm. that's one of his, I'm like, damn it, Brandon. Damn it, Brandon. <laughs> it's also Brandon and I went to the same coaching school. So uh, we did you, I did not the know same that. Reason and you didn't know that. Yeah. I did not know that. Well, yeah. see. That's coaching secret sauce. That fine, that fine thing. Yeah. That is good. So, sauce. That's good sauce. It's good sauce. It's real good sauce. Okay. Well, before we get to Nate, I want to talk yeah. about Sharon the Sharon entry point. So they decide to yes. hire this, this therapist, um, her name's Sharon. And she comes to like meet, she comes down to like the coaching office to meet um, Ted and Nate and beard and Higgins brings her down and introduces her and everything. And there's just this great, great interplay and poor Ted. I mean, he just is like a deer in the headlights. Like you can just see, it's like visible how uncomfortable he is with her. Well, but before you, before you get to that part is when he's, cause he stands up and she's like, well, you don't have to stand up. And he goes, yes, I do. Cause it's easier to do this. And remember they do the little <laughs> dance greeting. He's like, it's, it's nice good to meet me. you. It's good to and me. you know, does this whole thing. She is completely unimpressed <laughs> and his, and his little, and this is, I love this because his, normal way of disarming things she's just not having it Mm -mm. and she doesn't have it in other episodes like it's just like all his little all his little tricks to keep things away Mm -hmm. just do not work and i love this because of the part you're you're going to um describe for us but 
I love that just the it, deer in the headlights is a perfect thing. Cause his little dance greeting did nothing. Uh, yeah. Just absolutely nothing. And the, the thing that ends up happening is I can't remember. Tell me the entry point to that conversation. Like, how does that start that scene with, um, where, where she throws down the, are you where good at your job? The, yeah. I don't remember the starting point to that, but basically what happens is she asks Ted, are you good? Are you good at your job? Put, you know, all the bullshit humility aside and be honest with me. Are you good at your job? And he says, yes. And then she says, well, as good as you are at your job, I'm twice as good at at mine. And they're all gobsmacked. Oh yeah. They're just like, I mean, jaws on the ground. And so I really, again, because I look at this with the lens of a woman and yes, a woman walking into, you know, if she's a sports psychologist, she's used to walking into locker rooms. She's, you know, used to all dudes. Walking. Yeah. All, all dudes. dudes, no women. You know, that's what she's used to. This team is unusual in that they have a woman owner, but that's not what she's normally. And she's you know, not there into. either in this scene. Yeah. And right. so you, you know, you see her come in strong, like mm-hmm. she comes in like a woman on a mission mm-hmm. and I think for a lot of women, that's the case because that almost becomes like an armor. Like you kind of have to show up that way if you're gonna, you know, be successful in those kinds of roles. So I loved that she showed up as like, I'm a total badass at my job. Don't you worry about me. I'm going to go fix this. And then she does like, we don't really see that, you know, completely play out, but you know, like it's, it's just a really powerful, I think like female moment that happens in the show too. And I think, um, man, I'm reminded of a, maybe we can, maybe we can link to it in the show notes, but I'm reminded of a LinkedIn post that I saw the other day that I think Lindsay, I can never pronounce her last name. She's this, the CEO of casted. It's like the Tate T J E M P. It's like, I, anyway, yeah, however, we'll link it. yeah, we'll link it. But there was a, a LinkedIn post that said to all the women who are told like this, you know, keep being like how the world, sometimes I'm putting world in, in air quotes, the world sees it like, this is what you need to keep doing. And, uh, being married, if we can go back to some of the Enneagram stuff, being married to an eight woman, um, eights are challengers. Remember, um, if you are an eight woman in the business world, you are probably, you've probably heard most of your professional life, you're a bitch. Yeah. That is unfortunately the way like where men are rewarded for that kind of behavior. Um, and like, Oh, look at it. He's a go getter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, she doing the same thing is a bitch and it is completely not fair and completely not okay. And it should just be, we show, I wish we could just show up as humans, right? It's just, it just doesn't even matter, but it does. And, and Dr. Fieldstone shows us what it looks like to show up as a strong, competent, self-assured. I love that. She says as good as you are at your job. I'm twice as good. Yes. Like like, three snaps. Exactly. Go girl. Like, damn, like throw it down. Are you leading people or dream of one day leading people? What are you doing to grow your leadership skills right now? Crisis Proof Leadership, where opportunity meets preparation, guides leaders through the seven principles of prepared leadership and helps them focus on the actions that will get them results. 
even during times of crisis. The book is easy to read and filled with activities and tools that will help you put what you learn into action. Grab a copy today wherever you buy books. And I can personally endorse this because I've read it and it's one of the most practical books on leadership that I've ever read. Go get one today. Okay, well, let's get to um, the 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 storyline we start to see with Nate. Um, this is going to be yeah. a thread that pulls all the way through season two. And Jason and I really want to deep dive into it here because I think there's a lot of lessons for leaders. A lot. Basically, what we've got happening here with Nate is he's a new leader, right? He was a equipment manager. I, I think that's the correct. Literally, title. the low man on the right, totem like pole. low man like on the lowest. totem pole. Yeah, and he's been yeah. promoted to coach. We saw that happen at the end of last season, and now he is sitting in that role. And he exhibits some just classic things classic. that happen for brand new leaders in season two. Classic. Unfortunately. Yeah. So. It, but I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen this play out it's in same. corporate. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've seen it in coaching clients. Like it's just, it's incredibly common. And I say yes. some of that just to normalize if this is you or has ever been you, it's super normal. <laughs> like you are not alone. Doesn't mean um, you stay there. Yeah. Do Doesn't we grow mean and we you get stay better, there. Yes. Don't have like, oh, I'm the worst. It, it's incredibly normal. Do something about it now that you're aware of it. But right. um, just just an incredibly, incredibly normal um, kind of journey that we see with him that, that maybe goes a little bit further than, than is typical. But you see these little glimpses of Nate in this episode. Where the power's gone to his head a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the first time we see it, I believe, is with um, they're talking about Dan Danny after this moment, and right. you know they've had the practice, and he's not doing seeing, well. Yeah, he's not doing well. We're seeing this yip. So, you know, Ted's like, okay, let's brainstorm. What do we do to help um, motivate Danny here? And Nate says, if Danny needs motivation, we could always just show him his goddamn paycheck. <laughs> and he says it like deadpan yeah. like he's serious yeah. but it's just this you know heartless ugh, you know callous just, yeah awful awful reaction to what's happening with danny you know Go and ahead. i think i think from so this seeing this reminded me and i'll never forget it's burned in my brain so the first time i had a manager job i started managing my team that i was a part of which was a weird so kind yeah. of in this same situation, yeah. right? Like oh, you're part the of the group yeah. Yeah. and then you become the leader of the group, which, I mean, we could do a whole season of oh, podcasts dang. on that. And I, and I think that is the hardest leadership journey. Like it's, when you step into leadership, if that's your situation, that's one of the hardest things. You can yes. Do. And I think that happens a lot, right? Because yeah. we, we yeah. promote individual contributors who've been great at their job to yeah. suddenly lead people. Terrible yeah. strategy leaders don't yeah. do this. Don't do and this. then, and then we go, okay, good luck. May the, you know, may the force be with you and, <laughs> and also, also with, with you. you. Um, it's just, uh, so I remember I was, I had called my first ever meeting and I had eight, something like that. I think eight people around the country and several, like eight or nine people in the building. And we were having a meeting, all the people from around the country were going to join the meeting and I'm going out to the lobby to get on the elevator, to go to a meeting room. And I run into my old boss. And she says, Hey, how's it going? You know, how's the new job? And I, I, I was, I remember, I actually remember thinking this when I made the meeting, I said, I'm going to this meeting 
And there are 17 people that are going to show up at this meeting because I called the meeting. And I wasn't, I wasn't saying it from like a, like puff my chest kind of deal, but I was saying it like I got power. Like I told these people to be at this meeting and they're they're all coming to this meeting. And she looked at me. She was one of the, she was a great leader. Shout out to Kara Trout. She just kind of, she didn't say anything. She just looked at me like, like kind of like, oh, you'll learn. It it was, you know, as I look back now on the face, I didn't, I didn't put two and two together at the time, but I just remember like going to this meeting and I'm sitting in this room and we dial in and all these people are like, you know, dialing into the thing. And I'm like, look at all these people here because I called this thing. And I just, it was just, it was such a, it wasn't a power trip, but it was, it was a taste of power and Ooh, that's an intoxicating thing. And if you don't have somebody who's checking you on that, oh yeah. I mean, if you look around, that's just why so many of these people think their shit doesn't stink because nobody is now willing to tell them. Yeah. And it and so and so when you're always told that you're doing great because everybody's afraid to tell you the truth, it's a terrible thing. Yeah. And as you go up the ladder, the level of feedback just gets, you know, lower and lower and lower and lower. So of course you think you're Awesome. Nobody's telling you you're not. So yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting too. Like when I was watching that scene, I I think it's interesting too, that Ted doesn't really check it. He makes Mm -hmm. a face, but Mm -hmm. he doesn't address it with him um, in the moment. And I think that maybe is the wrong decision um, in this moment. Like this, this is probably the moment to pull him aside and say, Hey, I'm seeing some stuff here. That isn't who we are as a culture. I value you. You're going to figure this out. This is new for you, but like this, that's not appropriate. You know, like we're just not going to say things like that about our players. Um, and he doesn't do that. And I think that's a missed opportunity. That's a missed coaching moment here. Yeah. Um, for Tad, and I think honestly is why part partly not to give too much away. I want to be really careful for those of you who haven't seen it, but um, this, this is the whole season is Nate struggling with this issue. And I think part of it is because we don't nip it in the bud right away. Like yep. I, th- I think that that was a missed opportunity. And also just want to validate that a lot of leaders do that too. We think, Oh, it's yes. going to be fine. He's going to figure it out. I'm just going to sit back nope. and kind of let him. That's the wrong. Mm-mm. You want to get in there with some, right. Um, really well delivered, you know, caring feedback and and help in these situations as quickly as quickly as we can. So we want to deep dive here around around this. Um, just like what are some pitfalls that we've mm. seen as um, trends for new leaders? Like what are some things that people yeah. should avoid? So let's, Jason, you give one first. Like okay. what's something yep. you would say to like a new leader to avoid? Don't try to do your old job in the new position because that turns into, uh, you know, you micromanage the crap out of people. You, you say, I've heard that, well, I wouldn't do it that way. Or, you know, you tell somebody to do it and then you take it back because they're not doing it the way you would do it. And so much of this transition is letting, and this is really hard for people, right? Because you've been an individual contributor likely until you get to this role. And then suddenly you're given the role of managing people, but you, you keep doing the thing that got you there, which was being good at your job. Yeah. And now you, you are 
um, being challenged with letting go of the day-to-day so that you can lead people. Leading people and doing the old job couldn't be more night and day, couldn't be more opposite. Yet I see so... And they think that they're... And and as new leaders, they're like, oh, well, that's cool. I solved that. Like, I did it. Look, I helped them. Yeah. yeah. And I think Ugh. it's a, like, just to get into the psychology of what's happening there, it's a perfectly, I, I totally understand why this happens. And I know that for sure that this happened to me too, when I first stepped into leadership jobs, you are suddenly in this role where you don't know what the hell you're doing. Like every nope. single thing you're getting asked to do, you've never done before. You have no idea what you're doing. You're yep. really uncomfortable, right? Like that is the story. So of course your instinct is to go to where you're comfortable. Nobody likes being uncomfortable for, you know, like eight hours a day. That's no fun. So let me go over here where I know everything. And (laughs) because I feel really comfortable, I feel really good about myself when I you know say that. And so it's a perfectly human thing to do, Sure. but you have to really check that instinct. And if you don't notice it happening and nobody notices that happening and calls you on it, you can really get a couple of years down the road and, and really be deep into micromanaging. And the thing that happens, especially if, you know, if we just think about what's happening in the job market right now, you know, nobody likes working for a micromanager. You're going to end up with turnover out of that and maybe not even understand why you've got it. You know, if you're, if you're doing this as like a true blind spot and it's just a recipe for a lot of problems. And I don't know what the statistic is, but you know, I, you hear this, at least I hear this often that people don't leave companies, they leave bosses, right? right? Or don't leave jobs, yeah. they leave bosses, yeah. right? And so I think a, if you are a new leader, and I'm telling you right now, as you hear this, it's going to probably scare you to death. You have got to be willing to ask your people how you're doing. Yeah. Um, I did that with at the urging of my first boss when I had a management job. Um, after a month and after three months, and then I did it regularly after that, but I made sure it was on my calendar, actually ask for feedback after a month. Yeah. And I grabbed some people that I knew would not just be yes. People for me, oh, you're doing a great job. <laughs> um, yeah. cause I, I got the job because I had done a great job. I don't need you to tell me that I'm doing a great job. I know why I have the job. I need you to tell me how I can be better. Yeah. And that was the, and I think I said this during, during season one, but um, that boss said to me, when I got this job, congratulations, you are now the topic of dinner time conversation around 17 <laughs> different dinner tables. Exactly How do you want right. those conversations to go? Yeah. And I'm like, that has never left me that. Yeah. And, and I can, if you can think about how people are going to perceive you and what is going to be said about you, to me anyway, that changes the filter and changes the mindset around that new leadership thing. But well, yeah. I think one of the biggest pitfalls is that leaders don't ask for feedback because they're terrified that they're messing it up and they yeah. don't want to know that. Yeah, I agree. I think that's another missed opportunity. The other pitfall I would say too, is that just to go along with what you just said, proactively get yourself a couple of regular channels yes. of feedback. So like if you, if you know, your leader isn't a great source of that feedback, find a mentor, do it immediately. Meet with that person once a week or once every couple of weeks, ask for that feedback, pick somebody smart, pick somebody who's a good leader. Who's going to notice some of these pick things. Pick an eight on the Enneagram. Yeah, exactly. They Cause will, they're going to they tell you, Dan, mm-hmm. you're going to tell you every day of the week and twice on Sunday. So 
Yeah. Pick somebody who's hard and it's going to challenge you. That will help you get better faster and will help you notice those things that, you know, you're, you're just not going to be self-aware enough in that moment to catch. And if you're um, a leader who's listening, who's going, I'm, I'm good. Um, a phrase that I love is when you're done learning, you're done. Oh, for sure. For sure. I like to call that the curse of the subject matter expert. The second somebody calls themselves a subject matter expert, mm -mm, like -mm. you're dead. There's, I mean, there's just no such thing. Um, you might know a lot, but like, I, I'm as good as the last book I read or the last article, right. You know, like I, if I'm not keeping up with the trends, like I'm an expert at Jack. So let me pontificate more about my expertise. Please (laughs) go on. So the other thing that like I would throw out there as a common pitfall, and I saw this a lot, um, you know, the, the culture at the agency and at, at, in government jobs or military jobs a lot is you're coming in and out of jobs a lot. You're rotating to something new every couple of years. That's just like a cultural norm. So people tend to come in and want to like rename the division and let's change a bunch of crap. And maybe you don't even understand what's happening yet. Like they cut, you kind of come in guns blazing. Cause you know, you've got two years to try to make your mark on whatever this job is. Right. And you come in and make sweeping changes. Ugh. My, my advice is always like that first 90, hundred days. Don't change a thing. Shut your, your job is to like listen. shut your mouth and yep. listen figure out who's great, figure out who's struggling, like be a student during those first 90 to hundred days and don't take action because that is going to be really, really um, helpful for you in building trust and fully understanding what's happening. Um, You'll, you'll avoid a lot of just bad decisions because you're not going to have enough information yet to make a good one. Just save yourself that (laughs) trauma um, and just go walk in in student mode. Yeah. No, hundred percent agree. What else have you seen, Jason, from a pitfall perspective? I think the, uh, you know, another, I, and I think so much of it goes back to the, the feedback and the development, but the other is, you know, you get into this job and suddenly, you know, you just, you have more things to do. You have different things to do. And then I hear this excuse all the time. I don't have time to, you know, read a book. I don't have time to, and I would argue that you don't have time not to, you just simply don't. If you, if, if, if you've been a leader for more than a year and you have not read a new book, you have not gone to some sort of development course, you're missing it. You don't have and, a coach like that. Right. Yeah. And yeah, hundred percent. And if your company isn't paying for it, huge miss on their part, but you should, you should be paying for it yourself, even if they're not willing to pay for it because yeah. it, it it's ultimately going to help you with retention. It's going to help you lead your team. It's going to help you be better you've got to keep developing. Yeah. I love that. And love and so that. many are like, I don't have time. I'm so swamped. I'm so busy. I get it. You don't have time not to. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Take 15 minutes a day, read a chapter in a book. You'll, it, you know, that that's one of the best things that you can do. So yes. yeah, I love that. I'm trying to think of other things that are are super common with brand new leaders that we haven't touched on. I mean, there's definitely this dynamic of like, how do you handle the like friend to boss, you know, thing? Like, how do you handle, you know, being, um, (laughs) being part of like the, oh, we're going to bitch about stuff squad to now you're the leader of the people who are bitching about stuff. And I, I think it's a fine line 
It is. Um, but you do have to kind of pull out of like the, the bitching, like that's just not your role anymore. Yep. I think keeping strong personal connections that you have, like that can be a real plus. Like I think 100%. It's seen as a, you know, that's just going to make things harder because these people know me really well. It can actually make things a lot easier because people are much more likely to hear feedback from you. If they know you, they trust you. They know you have their best interest at heart. 100%. So as long as that's how the relationship is based and you've got that good, strong relationship, it can be a huge strength, but you have to be really careful and, and shift out of like friend zone a little bit in yep. order to make sure that you can still be objective. You don't want to be talking about one person to another person or, right. you know, like you just really have to curtail some of that behavior that's perfectly normal as a peer, but just isn't appropriate when you're in a leadership job. And I think one of the things that I really tried to do with my team around that when I became a leader was I would say like, it's cool if we want to bitch about, you know, the the powers that be or the thing for, for a time, right? Like, because yeah. people need to vent and they need yeah. to be able to do that. That's fine. I challenge my team I'm willing to do that and listen and provide space for that as long as you are willing to bring a solution to the table about it. Because if you're not bringing a solution, we're not just going to have a bitch fest. Yeah. I want you to bring a solution to the table. And that is incredibly important Yeah, uh, in all of these things. Yeah. And I like to like, it, it's a good best practice to still be that point where people can come to vent. I would much rather people come vent to me than somebody else. So at least I know what's happening. <laughs> you know, right. like I, I don't have any problem being that vent point. I like the push to, okay, like, what do we want to do about this? Yep. Like, what action are you willing to take on it? What action do you feel like I need to take on it? Like, is some right. of it mine? Like, right. and, and let's have that conversation. Um, but, but yeah, I think it's important to still leave space for that. You can't, people are always going to have things too. Yeah. I've got one more. Do you have one more? No, you go. Yeah, go. So I've got one more. The other one is this, and this is really hard for people. And I, I've, I've, I saw it actually this week somewhere. And that is this, when you become this leader person, you, whether, whether you like this, look, if you said yes to the job, this comes with the job. You are now under a microscope. You are now being watched. And so who you text and who you don't who yeah. you call and who you don't who you email and who you don't who you go who to lunch you, with who you at yep yeah. who you go to lunch with and who you don't who you accept invitations on social media from and who mm -hmm. you don't like oh your friend you guys are friends on snap or you're you know they everybody that becomes things that you probably don't even mean it to become, but it becomes those things like, Ooh, he texted me or she texted me or, or she, you know, asked me out to lunch. And the person who's never been asked out to lunch yeah. is sitting there going, what's wrong with me? Yeah. And again, if you are not asking for feedback, you may never hear that this person feels left out because you've never texted them. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I will never really forget the, 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 <laughs> the first team, the team that I wound up leading, but the team that I joined, uh, my boss would come, I was there for like six weeks and she would come and get the guy next to me. And I, she would, she would come like by his cube. He's like, are you ready? And he was like, yeah. And they would leave and mm -hmm. come back. And this happened, you know, multiple times. Sometimes I was on the phone and finally I'm like, I'm like, where do you guys go? all when when this happens he goes oh we have a one-on-one -on -one. i don't remember if it was every week or every two weeks and i'd been with the team for six weeks and i'm like 
I've never had a one-on-one. Yeah, that's not cool. And so when I went to her, I'm like, are we going to, and she's like, oh, and she totally forgot about me, which made me feel even worse. Yeah. And she's like, oh yeah, I probably need to schedule that. Well, it's no surprise that she's no longer leading the team, but um, it was, I, I, I made up a whole scenario about why I wasn't being asked yeah. to have a one-on-one and none of it was true. Yeah, absolutely. She just was not a good leader. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely a huge miss. Um, especially if you were a new, new team member. Um, yeah, I think those are all really good. So I would just frame all of this too. If, if you're in the middle of this transition, um, yes. or if you're getting ready to step into this transition, yeah. you can survive it. Like this is all survivable 100%. stuff. Like you, you just need to be intentional, conscious, ask for help where you need it. If you need some additional support, reach out to us. We're happy to provide that. We both answer emails. So if you yes, need like do. some book recommendations we or do. just, Hey, this is what's happening. You know, shoot us an email. We're, we're happy to help with those things um, anytime. And just know, like, as long as you're starting, I'm going to go back to what we said last season. I know this is in one of the episodes. As long as you're walking into a leadership job with the intention to serve other people, you're going to be fine. Amen. Preach that. Just be really conscious of what's your motivation in taking this job. Yeah. Um, get in there, serve the people. You'll be fine. Yeah. You'll be fine. Perfect and we'll be cheering for you really, really loud here at the Diamond Dogs podcast. We so. might even bark. We might even bark. You know, we I have some that, really killer barking footage. Maybe we'll throw that in at the end need, of this episode. Yeah, I think we Our, need to start barking in season I two. I agree. I think we're going to have to thread that somehow. So we yeah. have really... Our delightful guest, Donna Moriarty, who we had on for episode nine, talking about apologies, sent us this hilarious footage of her dog barking. So we're going to throw that in at the end. Yeah, you guys we, have to hear that. It's so, yeah. so funny. And um, if you have footage of your dogs barking, we would yeah, love it. Send, send it, it to in. us. We'll put it in. I'm sure that uh, Blaze and Lucy and Kirby will appear at some point as well. Yeah. You might have heard Lucy shaking today because she has been uh, shaking herself like some sort of freak. We'll put your pups on the episodes. pod. That's right. So um, all that to say, I think we're going to wrap up this episode. Thanks for being with us for. Um, Thanks for joining us again two. for another season. Yeah, yeah. Like we're excited to be here, excited for the response from this um, podcast and excited to keep doing it. So let us know what you think about today's episode and we'll see you next time. Hey, everybody. Season two of the Diamond Dogs podcast is shaping up to be something really, really special. We cannot wait for you to hear it. We can't also wait to have you be a part of what we're doing in season two, because if you are a Ted Lasso fan and you have watched an episode where the Diamond Dogs meet, you know, at the end, they adjourn by barking. Well, Beth and I do not bark, at least on the microphone. And so we are wanting to include you with your pup to be our outro for the Diamond Dogs podcast. So here's what we want you to do. We want you to record your dog barking, and then we want you to send us a picture with you and your pup. And then for every episode that we do, we're going to choose a new pup to be our outro bark for that particular episode. And then at the end of the season, we're going to choose one lucky winner from all the people that submitted and have you and your pup as a guest on our podcast. So record your pup, send us a picture of you and your pup and send those to Beth at rashleyconsulting.com. That's Beth at Rashley, R-A-S-H-L-E-I-G-H consulting.com and join us on the Diamond Dogs podcast. We'll see you there.